you're going to pay attention to anything that I say this morning, that'll be, that'll be these next few moments where we just read the word of the Lord. And Psalm 103 says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you, with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love towards those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As the Father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like the flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it's gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O oh, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obey the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers, to do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Amen. Amen. Here we have a way to bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And more than enough reasons to do that for the rest of your life, like eternal, unchanging, rock-solid reasons that aren't dependent on what's going on in your country, what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your family, what's going on in your workplace, what's going on around you. Things like that never change. Who he is, what he's done, how he loves you, his heart towards you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, that said again and again and again, David repeats it again and again. It's like, bless the Lord, oh my soul, I just thought this one, it's like the original soul music. You know, like music that just connects with, with like, with who you are. I'd love to know, I'd love to know the tune that went with it. I'd love to know, like, is this a song, yeah? I'd love to know that they managed to, like, match the intent of the words. You know, we just get a great song where, like, the words match, like, the movement of the music. Like, I wanna, like, I'd love to know what, what tune that went along with, what it felt like when the people of Israel got together and sang this to the, the music that the Lord placed on the entire Singing Psalm 103 together. Because the words of that song just, they speak to your soul. Um, and the reason they speak to our souls, as we're reading it, like, um, speak to my soul as I'm reading it, is that that's what you have David doing in this psalm. I open up by saying David, David is like speaking to his soul. He's talking to his inner mind. He's stirring himself up in a way like, to, to try and affect how, how he's feeling. Which, when you think about it, right, that's a powerful thing to be able to do. Yeah? Like, like when we think about it, like David is David is talking to his inner mind. He's like changing the way that his soul is experiencing life. He's like he's, like he's preaching to, to himself. It's like he's preaching to himself. 
He does it. He does it a lot, right? It's all through the Psalm, Psalm 48, 5. He says it like in a, in a more kind of even explicit way. He talks to his soul, and he says to his soul when he's in a low place, he's like, "Why are you so downcast, my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me?" And he speaks to it. He says, "Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God." And in the same vein, in this Psalm, in Psalm 104, we read this morning, it's hey, faith speaking to like, wake, wake up in the morning, and you might feel like blessing the Lord, but you tell yourself to bless the Lord. And as you bless the Lord, it's like your perspective changes on, on the world. And David, what he's doing is like, he's speaking to himself, and he's deciding what a soul is going to experience. And what I want to just land on this morning is that, so we get to choose that. We get to choose what our soul is experiencing. Question to our hearts, right? Our souls this morning. It's like, what, what is it experiencing? Where are you at? Like, what, are you, what, are you, what are you feeling this morning? Like, how's your inner person feeling? Your inner man or woman? What's going on under the surface? On a deep level, what's going on? What's occupying your soul? These past few weeks for me have been, um, been just really busy. And uh, we go through seasons like that. And uh, and one of the things that dropped away from me, like over the past, like, oh, I understand at different times of the day, was that morning kind of devotional time that I, that I had going for like a year and a half. And it didn't drop away completely. I mean, it would happen like later in the day or like when I get a bit of space. But for like a year and a half, I had this space where myself and all were meeting in the mornings. And uh, I found myself like again and again and again, maybe in those moments, like just like reading this deep, like I said this deep before, this deep like exhale at times. I'm just like, and like just this, like Lord, you're enough. Like this, this peace of God will come over me. No striving for anything, no worrying about anything, no stress. It's like the presence of God, like just made everything else like fade away. And I noticed that I haven't felt that in a couple of weeks. You know, I've been missing that that space. And instead, like my soul has been like, wait, in turn, just busy, like trying to get things done, lots of different fronts of ministry, and figuring out stuff. Patrice changing jobs, and maybe going back to school. I'm trying to figure out what's happening in Africa. I'm trying to like figure out this stuff with church and, and all of that going on in the weeks of COVID and social distancing and government restrictions and lockdowns even there. All that stuff. So that like my soul has just been like like restless, you know? Like just like constantly internal. Here's one of the indicators when you lay your head on your pillow and like you just fall asleep, or there's all like this stuff come to mind, all the worries and the stresses. Like that's a soul that's not at peace. And like, do you see like how incredible it is? If this is true, that you can speak to your soul and change what your soul is, is like experience. It's like what are you, what are you dwelling on? Because we have this incredible opportunity where we get to choose what that is. And I'm thankful that the Lord has used the sand this week to remind me of that. To say that well, you have a choice. Like you have a choice as to what is going on at the internal level. You have a soul that's made to magnify and bless the Lord, to be satisfied. You know, if that's not where you're at, you're not powerless, or you're not meant to be passive in that. Like, you're, you're given the, the capacity to change that in God. We're not meant to be passive, but just accept that as being such as, like, this is the way it's meant to be. That we can be active in changing what, what our internal experience is of life right now. And we can allow the greatness of the character, love, and presence of God to occupy that space in our lives instead of anything else. And I mean, faced with that, like, why would we choose? Why would we choose anything else? Why would we choose stress and worry or anxiety and fear of anger? Whatever else that occupies our hearts and minds. When we can choose to, to have like the goodness and grace of God to, to do that. And what, here's what David has learned. He's learned to like speak to the soul, be active, to be active in it. You know, not just to be passive, but to be active. There's a preacher called Martin Lloyd Jones who wrote this about like a day he does this again and again in his house. 
And he says, he says this, he gives a quote on the next slide now. Um, he said, have you realized that most of your happiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You've not originated them, but they're talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now this man, David's treatment to this psalm is this. Instead of allowing himself to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are you getting cast on my soul? He asks. His soul had been depressing and crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I'll speak to you. And the point is that maybe it's time to stop listening to ourselves and to start, to start talking to ourselves. And what David does is he crafts this home. He sits down and invites him, writes this song. I'm going to sing this when I'm down. This is stuff I'm going to do when my soul is depressed. I'm going, to, I'm going to remind myself of everything that God is. I'm going to speak to my soul of the goodness. We just read it out. But he talks about like when I have a soul like maybe that's filled with like anxiety or shame or failure or guilt or despair or sorrow or sadness or frustration or emptiness or grieving or grief or anger or all of those things that, that, that our souls can do. Here's what I'm going to do instead. I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to remember how best I am in them. I'm going to list off all our benefits, all his benefits. And he goes through it in this time. He's like, okay, here we go. Bless the Lord on my soul because he forgives me and because he heals me, because he lifts me up from the pit, because he crowns me with love and mercy. I mean, can I just pause on that for a second? He crowns us with love and mercy. Like we can feel like the no good and, and, and depressed and down. And says that God crowns you with love and mercy. It's like he satisfies me. He renews my youth like the eagles, it says. He brings justice. He makes himself known to me. He's merciful to me, gracious to me, slow to anger. His love for me is steadfast and abandoned. Just those two words. I love you. Just dwell on those two words. God's love for me is steadfast. It's going nowhere. Like you can plant it up. Like a rock, a foundation. It's abandoned. Like it's not lacking. It's not held back. It's like, like, when I picture a bound, I picture like a big, don't be golden retriever that running towards you. You know that kind of like big bound dog that will just like knock you off your feet? Like, like it's, it's like, it's like, like rushing towards you. He it says he's not angry, he's not waiting to punish you, even when I mess up, even when I run as far as to intentionally disobey him, the sound teaches. He doesn't deal with me according to my sins. He has a love for me that's greater in measure than the height of the heavens, the of the earth. That says he's separated my sin from me as far as the east. Is, is from the West, but he's compassionate to me. He's my father and treats me like he's a little child, and he will be faithful from generation to generation. Do you see? Like, he writes this thing, so just the decision of like even reciting this, or seeing this, or dwelling on those truths, just like considering about that stuff, thinking about it, it changes the condition of our soul as we do it. It takes us onto like the ground of faith. And I was always really writing this sermon and studying it, like my heaviness just like lifted. Like, like the, 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 the frustrations, like just seeing in light of who he is, it becomes like that song that eclipses everything else. Do you know what I mean? My favorite worship song all the time, that when I look into your holiness and gaze into your loveliness, when all things that surround me become shadows in the light of you. It's like that, that, that place of worship, that place of adoration, decision to dwell on who God is, makes everything else just like fade, fade away because he's greater than everything. And the frustrations as I was writing this, like, turn to all oh, my striving, turns to peace. Honestly, I mean, it works. Praise, worship, and gratitude are our spiritual weapons. Amen. They have the power to change us from the inside out. Yeah. 
Because they longed for the heart of God. That's why when Jesus came along and someone said, What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with your other heart, with all your, your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. He said, Don't let anything else occupy that place in your life. The Lord will do, He'll rob you. It'll steal from you, it'll destroy you, it'll cause you to be down. If you love the Lord, if you allow the Lord to occupy that space in your heart, and your immortal life is really about eternal, unchanging, like source of joy and peace in the middle of whatever is going on in the world. It's not the greatest commandment because God needs our love or is needy in some way. It's the greatest commandment because God loves us so much that He doesn't want anything else to occupy our hearts and our minds, our souls, in the way that He does. John Piper is famous for saying this, we're most, God is most glorified in us when we're at our most satisfied in Him. Like God seeks the satisfaction of our souls. God wants me to live in those moments where, God, you're enough. Like the deep sea of satisfaction. That's where, like, God is most glorified when we're most satisfied in Him. That's how Jesus can say to you, say, come to me, only who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for what? For your, for your souls. No, it's a bit of for ourselves. We're so easily like bent down and distracted and, and consumed by other things. Like, just come to me and you'll find rest for you. And the message is as simple as this. If you're experiencing a season of the soul that has you in any place other than satisfied and rested and in awe of who God is, then you have a remedy and there's a choice that you can make. The decision is to stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. Bless the Lord on my soul. Also, bless the Lord. Choose to do that. It's the way that you activate the experience reality of the presence of God. I want to be careful to say that this isn't uh, this isn't just like always look on the bright side of life, right? This isn't just find the positive image. You know what I mean? Or look within and you'll find the answers. Or I'm not just talking some methodology. I should look on the bright side. Things could be worse. Like I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Compare yourself with the world, or it's not a pull yourself together kind of message. Not look on the bright side, not pull yourself together, not look within and find the answers inside of yourself. Because when we try that very often, right? Always look on the bright side, but there's no bright side. You know? Um, pull yourself together, well, I don't have the capacity to pull myself together when stuff is falling apart. Look deep within to find the answers. I look deep within and I find more questions to answers going on, yeah? And it's like frustrating and we don't have that capacity ourselves. So this isn't like about some self-help thing, right? This is only true because God is real and because of what Jesus is doing. This is about saying there is a God and the incredible good news that his heart is towards you right now isn't one of disappointment or judgment, but his heart towards you is one of love. That he's abounded in love towards you, running towards you with love this morning. And that you weren't made to walk through this life on your own, but you were made to walk through with the Holy Spirit living inside you, connected to brothers and sisters in Christ. This is about the fact that there's an internal, an eternal, unchanging, all-powerful creator and sustainer of all things who made the world and everything in it, including you, and who loves you immeasurably and wants to understand and experience of that love to permeate your very existence, yeah? To lift you up out of whatever pit you find yourself in right now and into his presence. That's why he sent Jesus. That's what Jesus has won for you. That's what he's won through his death and his resurrection. Access to the throne room of God. Adoption of children of God. Everlasting life. This is about God doing for you what you can't hope to do for yourself. It's not some mental trick to get us through the struggles of the world. It's an invitation to the one who's overcome the world and who says that you are more than overcomers. Because he is. Yeah? What are we going to believe today? 
What are you going to align your soul with? We're being gifted a weapon. Do you see that? Like that praise and gratitude that's produced when our souls are focused on the Lord. It's the spiritual way we counter the voice of the enemy. It's the way we fight back against the discontent and the self-pity that are some of the enemy's favorite tools to use against me. The woe is me kind of thing. Gratitude silences those, those voices. It, it quiets them. And it's so, it's so important, guys. Like in my, my life, I've, I've experienced this, and inevitably, like those of you who are meant to sit with pastorally or, or, or talk with, we experience the same thing that we struggle with sin, we struggle with doing things that, that aren't right. And, and, and it's not only the struggle with, with doing that, right? Or, or the guilt maybe that comes from that. It's, that, it's like the out of condemnation of the enemy coming in and saying, well, You're not good enough. I've got you. You don't, you don't measure up, like who are you? Like, you, don't, you, don't, you don't measure up to the mark. Like, it's like this condemnation that gets piled on top of our sin. Like the enemy doesn't just get us to sin and that's enough. It's like now he piles on the condemnation. Now he piles on the, the look what you did, you messed up, you're a hypocrite, you're whatever. You know, you have like, you no credibility, you have no, like all those things that the enemy just shouts at. So we need to learn to silence them with gratitude for what God has actually done for us. Especially when it comes to the area of sin. I think the apex of this um, psalm is in those verses that were up there, man, the one like 9 to 13 or whatever it is, they wrote a second ago. Um, yeah, this one. It's this, 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 uh, this little section here is like the apex of the psalm. In the little bit of time we have left, I want to look at the different uh, ways that, that we, can be, we can think that our sin can separate us from God. And I want us to examine just how great the grace of God is. Yeah? Like, let me read this, right? The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Do you know, inside of here, there's three different, there's three different words that David uses, uses for sin, right? And um, he does not deal with us according to our sins at the end of verse 10, yeah? And uh, is there a slide where I have that one? Yeah, there we go. So he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to the second word, iniquities. And then we have verse 11, and then verse 12, for as long as the first is from the West, so far as we remove our, our transgressions from us. Our sins and Transgressions. Three different ways that David is bringing up. He's not just like like songwriters who pulled out the thesaurus and tried to find like flowery ways to say the same thing. I can't use that word again. I need to use another word. He's no problem repeating, bless the Lord on my soul, bless the Lord on my soul. He does it again and again in different sounds. He uses these three, these three words to describe the ways that he fell. I want us to dwell on there for a minute. You might think it wrong, I don't need you to remind me of my sins. I don't need you to, to remind me of the ways I messed up. But all of this is to be seen in light of, uh, of verse 11, which says this, As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is this steadfast love towards those who fear him. Like that, that, on either side of it, he's talking about our sin, right? But then in the middle of it, it's like this apex, like a triangle leading up to the point of as high as the heavens. And it's beautiful. It's genius the way they did it. Think about it, the poetic structure, right? It leads up to verse 11, and verse 11 even talks about the height of things, yeah? As high as the heavens are above the earth, so, so great is the measure of the stuff. And then it falls down again. And I don't have time to go into it, but poetically, even if you look at it, the structure, he matches the verses, verses 9 and 10 after verse 12 and 13, verses 7 and 8 after verses 14 and 15. There's this structure of the poem of like, 
center point, which is the measure of the love that God has for you. So as we look at these different things about sin, it's about it's meant to point us towards a greater experience of how much God has loved us, right? So there's three different three different words that are there: sin, iniquities, and transgressions. The first one is sin, and sin you'll have heard before, right? Like, like Sin, the word that starts, it literally means to miss the mark, yeah? Remember Eddie Gregory we preached here before, he talked about, like, archery, like, and there's a word that's used in archery, sin is when you aim and you, and you miss. I went to the shop the other day with Penny, we had a great morning, actually, just getting water in the shop in the morning with Penny, it's been a great pattern, and uh, went around to get breakfast in the morning the other day, and uh, she looked, it's like, a, you know, one of them, every pair of days, and it's like this little, uh, Roller thing with all these toys that should cost about 50 cents, but cost like about six euro, right? On these little plastic toys. Right on the way in the door, completely sticky in place so that kids see them on the way in, and then on the way out again. And Penny saw this little bow and arrow thing, she went, Can I get that on the way out? And I was like, Oh, maybe next time. Open. Like, that's, that's the phrase we say, yeah, and then they forget about it and don't. Don't get it next time. Next morning, Penny went to the toilet. I think I'm going to the shop and get that bow and arrow thing. It's like, Okay, Penny. So she tried to and she got it, right? but it's useless, right? It's a little plastic bow and arrow with like a, a little piece of, um, of like a basket on it, and you know, the sucker at the end that's going to stick the window to the windows. And so she pulled it back, and like she made it at you. And the first time she was just finished, but after that, she realized that when she gets going with it, it just goes, right? It doesn't, like, it doesn't go anywhere, yeah? Like it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't hit the mark. That's the picture of sin. It's like not measuring up, like fire like in something, but you're never, you're never getting there. You're not getting to the. You're not getting to the point. That's what, what sin means. And in terms of a relationship, it's like, have you ever felt that way? Oh, well. Oh, man, it's just not measure up. It's not good enough. Like, not as good as X, Y, and Z. Certainly not as good as Jesus. I like just a condemnation at the end. Like, like, look at you. Look, 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 like, why, why are you? We're still in this time. We're still, we're still here. Everyone's not 10 years old. We're still in that place. Still struggling with that. Don't measure. Don't measure up. Why is the enemy used to come saying you don't, you don't measure up? Well, you're inadequate, that you don't meet the standard, you fall short. That's what sin is, it's falling short. What does God say? He says, He does not deal with us according to our sins. Right? Jesus said. Like, like, we would think we don't measure up, God says, Lord, God's like, He says, I don't, I don't deal with you according to the ways that you don't measure up, according to the ways that you, you fall short. So even if you fall short, like I'm not going to deal with you in that way. And when you think about that, like your attention should turn to the like the greatness of the grace of God and the heart of love He has towards you. Look, I just I would love if this would be the case. Right? It's in the case of the best times of my life. I would love this. I'm praying this for you guys that we get this straight in mind, right? That when the enemy comes and he's like, you don't measure up. You're like, praise the Lord, because you realize how much more like God has to love me. To, to accept me right now based on the fact that I don't measure up than if I did measure up. Yeah? And when the enemy comes and he tries to like knock you out of the race or a great combination of that thing, that just increases like like the level of understanding of how much more God loves me, the one who's messed up, yeah, the one who doesn't make the mark, the one who continues to mess up, and yet and yet he loves me passionately now. When the enemy like tries to like like speak that stuff to you and make it like like bring you down to a low place, it raises like your understanding of how great the love of God is. Amazing grace and sweet the sound saved a wretch like me, yeah? That those two things can go hand in hand, like being like missing the mark doesn't like lead us into 
condemnation. This is a greater understanding, appreciation, worship, and awe for the God who loved us in spite of all of that stuff. Amen. Yeah? Oh, I would love if we just had that in our armory when that voice comes along. Like that, like an eternal son gratitude that you have for the love of God who saves our righteousness, even when we don't, when we don't meet the mark. Since you're not good enough, yeah, I know I'm not good enough. God's love for me is greater than I thought it was. You might say, all right, God, but I don't just fall short. Like, there's times where not only I do the wrong things. That's where the word iniquities comes in. That's what that means. Yeah? It's like, the word iniquities, like, it's like when you continually choose to engage in things that are against the heart of God in, like, a premeditated way. This isn't just like, I wasn't good enough. This is like, man, I'm not showing up choosing something else here. I'm, like, aware of it, but, like, there's something that's, like, driving me in this direction, even though it's like, yeah, I'm, like, in that direction in the Lord. How many times have you found yourself there? Like falling into patterns of thinking, patterns of action. Like, you know, I want to do this. I'm feeling it. Like, that's our iniquities. Iniquity to your soul will like rob your soul of peace. You'll be claimed by guilt. You'll be claimed by mass. I'm not doing this stuff. What does God think of me in this? Well, what does God think of us in? He says, I don't repay you according to your. Man, if that was us, we would think, what's God's response? He'd be like, okay, with us enough. Rob, that's the fourth time this month, but this is the fourth month this year, it's the tenth year that you're doing that pattern of choosing stuff inside of me. And you think God would just be like, okay, with us enough, get, get away from you, man. Or like, to distance himself. But what do we get instead? It's like God saying, I'm not going to repay you according to your iniquities. What? How, how can he do that? Why, why does he do that? We're going, to, we're going to get to that at the end. It's a great bread. Third word is transgressions. The very last word he uses for sin. It means to intentionally disobey or rule the law. To transgress. It's similar to the word trespass that's in the New Testament. It was our sins. It was our trespasses as we forgive those. And if you think of trespassing, it's like overstepping a line. Yeah? You know there's a line here. Do not trespass. We're going to enter this field. You know those fields in our country or whatever? Trespassing means stepping into a space where you shouldn't, you shouldn't be. Um, and that's the, the idea that's coming here in transgressions. Basically, go somewhere you shouldn't be. It can also mean this. Listen to this one. I love the, the commentaries around this. It says, to fall away after being close to sight. Ever been there in life? Yeah. Ah, close to life, just like fall away. It's like a distance. Like, yeah, there's times where my soul was like occupied by my God. And I was there, but like something else is just taking me attention. Something else is like not to be out of race. I know I should be here, but I'm here. It's like I'm trespassing. I'm in, I'm in some territory I shouldn't be. I know I'm meant to live in the presence of God and the reality of that. But instead, I'm living in this kind of whatever it is, self-seeking or whatever. But life has shaped it in a way. I'm not talking about like it's small things. I don't know if there's some trauma, some hurt, some, something serious that's, that's knocked you into a place where you know you shouldn't be, where your soul is aligned with it. Where, where it could be. That's what it means. You're like trespassing. You're in the wrong kind of territory where you should be close to God in the distance in some way. And it's characterized by a soul that feels distant from God. And what does God say in this, right? When you're feeling distant from him, what does he say that's absolutely genius? When you feel your transgressions can distance you from me, here's what I want you to know. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he remove our transgressions from us. Do you get it when there's like these transgressions that attend to distance us from God? Instead of God distancing himself from us, he distances our transgressions from us. Do you really? When that tendency is to be like, I'm not good enough, I'm not pressing, I'm not praying, I'm not going there. We know that for 
us. Maybe you're going to pray, and all of a sudden you're aware of like your sin. All of a sudden you're aware of the ways you don't measure up. And it's like the enemy perfect to, to distance you from God. What does God say? Instead of you being distant from me, it's like, here's what I want you to know. Those things that you're using and the enemy trying to use you to distance me from you, I've taken them and I've put them as far away from you as you could even imagine. As far as the east is from the west, those things have been distanced from you. Like as far as they can go. And the choices you believe that or not. Because when I dwell on my sins, right, I'm honest, they don't feel as far as the east is from the west. They feel like they're right here. Right? They feel like they're, 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 right, like they're right in my mind, they're right in my heart, they're occupying that space. What am I doing? Am I allowing them to occupy my soul? When God says, I'm distance to this far as the east is from the west, and I want to occupy your soul. The choice is what do we believe? What are we going to do? What are we going to allow to occupy our soul? Bless the Lord on my soul, is the answer to that. Let me end with this sequence of communion. And we know this already. We know the Bible verse and we know Jesus, right? But let me say it out loud just to give a praise that uh, all of this is only possible because of Jesus. Yeah? Um, God isn't saying keep on sinning, it doesn't matter. God isn't saying, well, you don't need sin, it's kind of serious. So I, don't, I don't look at it that way, it's okay, I'm just forgive You know what I mean? He's not saying, he's not saying that at all. He's not saying that you just ignore that. He's not saying there's no consequences for your trespassing or no choice to be paid for your iniquities. What he's done, that is Jesus, he's put the full weight of all of those things on Jesus. Who on the cross felt the full weight of all of those things and cried out for his soul, oh my God, away for sin to me. Cried out that so that you have to never cry out from your soul, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he never, he never forsake you. Because of what Jesus has done. When we think about our sins, like we're reminded, when Romans 3 says this, right? When we think about our sins and the ways that we fell short, it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift, praise the Lord, right? Through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Like we can just read over those words, but propitiation, that, that theological word, it means that there was wrath due for the sins that you committed. But instead of you experiencing that wrath, that Jesus takes on the full wrath of God, that's why it's by his blood, like real blood that was shed, like a real sense, something that happened physically, there was punishment for yourself. It's not God saying it doesn't matter, it's saying you matter so much to me that I'm going to take the weight for that. No blood is going to be shed for the weight of that stuff, for, for, uh, for your sins, to bring you closer again. When we say he doesn't repay us according to our iniquities, that's because of what Jesus has done. Isaiah 53 talks about Jesus. says, we all like sheep have gone astray, yeah? Each of us has turned to our own way. What has happened? The Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. The Lord laid on him the iniquities of us all. Meaning, God puts onto Jesus all the ways that you intentionally failed. All the premeditated ways, all the besetting sins, all the stuff that you go through the motion with. God's laid that onto Jesus. He took the weight for all the times you wrote for me. He disappointed. He did it on its own. Not that God wrote your dead off, but that somebody else paid your debt. So that, and I love this picture, as far as the east is from the west, so far as you remove our transgressions from us. Does anybody else have a picture when you think about it? As far as the east is from the west, do you have this picture of the cross? Yeah? Like as far as the, as far as the east is to the west. Here's how we got removed from you. Because Jesus was, was nailed, outstretched arms, 
And he's done all of that. So what I'm going to do is um, I want to finish what we're reading. We're reading in that song again. Now communion is still there. And uh, here's the challenge. I, the fact that Jesus has done all of that for us, like, let's not. Like, guys, let's not bear sin with like heavy souls when the price is paid to lift them.
<laughs> it does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love towards those who fear. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As the Father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear. For he was our friend, he remembers that we have dust. As for man, his days are the grass, and flourishes like the flower of the field, and the wind passes over and it's gone, and its place knows no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, holy you, his angels, and what he wants to do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers, who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, all my soul. Oh, my God. 